Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. You excited for God's word this morning? I know that I am. Uh, even though I, did, I got the call late <laughs> and uh, kind of ties into the message, which you'll see today, which is kind of interesting, but I'm honored to be able to share God's word with you today. Uh, as I've already shared, Pastor Nate's not feeling well, and we're, we're praying for him. Uh, but as I began to pray about it, I actually had a bunch of family over, and we were not allowed to mention the, the Liberty-Virginia Tech game, okay, because they <laughs> can't believe they lost by one point. Um, Liberty did, that is. We're a Liberty family, as you know. And uh, so I get the call. I've got all this going on in my life, and uh, it's going to tie the message a little bit. I'll get to that in a minute. But my brother-in-law, who's also a pastor, I preached a couple weeks at his church in Goochland. Uh, and I was like, man, I've got to preach tomorrow. And he goes, what are you preaching? I said, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, well, just pray about it. God will give you something. And so I started thinking about it and praying about it, and I was thinking about the, the actual series that we're in in the books of Acts, and I actually got to preach Acts chapter 2, uh, I think verses 14 through 41, where Peter presented the first message of the church on the day of Pentecost, and it was called the true, the true gospel, and I just started thinking about Peter's life, and I just relate to Peter a lot because his transformation of his life, I just find it amazing. And I hope you'll be encouraged by what God has laid on my heart today. Uh, and maybe you'll glean some things out of Peter's life and apply to your own life. But I find it amazing how we see Peter's life. You know, we've been through, if you're not familiar with what we've been preaching through, we've been going through the book of Acts. And, you know, Peter's this, you know, big character in Acts chapter 4. And, you know, he's preaching the word and he's, you know, thousands of people coming to know Christ. And, you know, we look at people in a snapshot, don't we? And we look at his life, we think, well, wow. Uh, but it all began at one point. There was a point in his life he wasn't that. And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, so we're going to look back at that moment in chapter 4 real quick, uh, where Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin. This is after he's been preaching. After the day of Pentecost, he's preaching, and thousands of people come to know Christ, and the religious leaders are not happy with this because they just crucified Jesus, and now they're preaching in Jesus' name, and people come to know Christ, and they're trying to stop all this. So that's kind of the background. And it says in chapter 4, it says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Look at the reaction. They seized Peter and John. And because it was the evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Powerful stuff going on here. The next day, the rulers and the elders of the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem, uh, and I and the high priest was there, and so were uh, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the others of the high priest family. What, what, what's happening here? Everyone who was anyone was there, okay? The, 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 the big guys, everyone who controlled everything, the leaders, the people who mattered the most, okay? So try to get your mind in what's going on here. They had Peter and John brought before them, Bring them to us. We're going to settle this. 
amazing story here, brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, man, he just goes at it. He's so great. He says, rulers and elders of the people. He recognizes their position. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, so what brought this on is they healed a guy. God healed him through them, through the the power of Jesus. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom Christ raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Here's what I want to look at today. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. These leaders are looking at these guys. The man's healed. They can't deny it. They're in a real pickle, okay? When they saw the courage of Peter and John had realized that uh, they were uh, unschooled, they realized that these guys are unschooled. They were just, who are these guys? Ordinary men. I love that. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Isn't that an awesome picture of God's faithfulness? He's standing on the truth of Christ, and man, it just silenced the enemies. This is an amazing truth that we see in the life of Peter. He is standing before these powerful leaders of his day that just a few years earlier, he was someone who would never even been able to approach them. That's what I want you to understand. Peter was just a foul-mouthed fisherman three years ago. He's a picture of us. We see this transformation of his life. Years earlier, they would never even approach them. They would never even give him a second look. As a matter of fact, if, the, if they were walking along the, the shorelines any given day that Peter was fishing, they would look over at Peter and they would just look down at him and say, he is such a sinner. Look at us in our beautiful robes. We're so much better than them. Wrapped in their religion and their pride. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even give him a second look. But, you know, I want you to get your mind into Peter's mind. Because at that time, before we see him in Acts chapter 4, in his mind, he probably would have thought, I'd never be good enough for anything. I'm just a fisherman. Going about my day, trying to make a living. We can kind of relate to Peter, can't we? Get up every day, we go to work. world around us seems like it's collapsing. (laughs) What can we do? How can I make a difference? He was a fisherman just living his life, and he never would even at that time of his life ever believe that he would be used by God to preach the first sermon of the church, to have thousands come to know Christ through his obedience to Christ. Just three years before that moment, he never would have thought that he'd be standing before the religious leaders of his day being the obstacle and the stumbling block that would cause them to be full of fear and astonishment and to silence them. Amazing transformation in just three years. I don't know about you, but I find that amazing. I find it interesting. 
And as we're going through Acts, sometimes I'm glad that God gives me the opportunity in the middle. I'm sorry Nate got sick, but I get to preach this, so that's kind of cool. We can kind of do a little side note of what's going on, and, like, and there's so much more to learn through Scripture. So I find it amazing that, you know, the good news about this example of Peter's life is that it's an amazingly transformed life that we see in Peter. Here's the point. It's available to you. It's available to me. We can be transformed just as his life was from where we're at now to where God wants to take us. So often we see people in a snapshot, don't we? We see them where they're at. We don't know their story. We don't know their testimony. We don't know what they've been through. But yet we're so quick to judge because we see them where they're at and not in the journey in which they're in with God. For example, some of you know me as Pastor Gus. You don't know my whole story. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Your life's the same way. I don't know your whole story. God knows your story. God's written your story from beginning to end. But if you'd have known me back when, out of high school, I joined the military. I was a military police. I was a foul-mouthed military police guy, rough around all the edges. Saved, but boy, I was living like the sinner. My wife knew me when I was, before I was a preacher, before I was called to ministry, called out of the military, and she still married me. <laughs> Amazing. My daughter, she always asks me questions about my life, and she says I need to write a book, and there's some things I just won't tell her, you know? But aren't, isn't that true for you? You know, do you, do you want all your dark secrets told? Imagine Peter's life. Fishermen, imagine what the conversations were. Imagine the jokes and the coarseness and the drunkenness and all the things that he was doing in his life at that time. You know, my life would not be where it is today, though, apart from Christ. And that's the story. Peter's life was like that. So the question is, what happened? How did his life change so dramatically? How did he go from this? How did my life change from in my life? How does your life change from perhaps where you find yourself thinking that there's no future for you or God could never use That is a lie. God can use anybody. If he could use me, he can definitely use you. And I'm sure that's what Peter's testimony would be. Can't believe it. What happened? Because even the religious leaders, like, these are uneducated. What happened? Oh, it had nothing to do with them. They were with that must do something with that Jesus guy. See, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized and they understood that they were ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with who? Jesus. See, the greatness in Peter's life, in your life, in my life, God gets the glory because the transformation comes from an encounter with Christ and submission to his will. That's where life changes. That's where greatness begins. And when you live your life like Peter or any other person who's been faithful in the small things, as they get to the place where you see them in the snapshot where you see the greatness, like in Acts chapter 4 of Peter's life, God gets the glory, not Peter. It's not about Peter. It's not about you. It's not about me. So what I want to do today is I want to go back to the beginning of Peter's calling, back to the first encounter of, with Christ, and for us to learn from his life the example that it was that caused such a great dramatic transformation in his life. Before I do, I want to encourage you, though, with this truth, that God is in the business of using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. 
He confounds the wise with the simple things. Thank God I'm just simple. Because <laughs> God can use me. How great's that? Throughout the Bible, in the history of God, God always uses things that you would never expect and people that you would never choose to accomplish great and amazing things for his kingdom and his glory. I mean, he chose Mary to give birth. What? The way he chooses to come into the world it proves that. I mean, he asks people to do extraordinary things, but they're ordinary people. And I think that you have to acknowledge the fact that you're nothing apart from him, that he can use you, because then he gets all the glory. You can't boast in it. So let's go back from Acts chapter 4 to Peter's life, where it all began in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is on the scene that day, three, a little over three years prior to what we saw in Acts with Peter's life. It says, one day when Jesus was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus is doing what he does. He's preaching. Everyone knew who he was. He saw at the water's edge two boats. And that's significant because there were two. He could have chosen another one. At the boats, at the edge, uh, water's edge, two boats, left there by the fishermen. And look what they're doing. They were washing their nets. It was an ordinary day. He was going into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. It's Peter. And he asked him, put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. I want you to get in Peter's mind here, because we're going to talk about this a little later, but you got, you got to look at this and be like, what do you think Peter was thinking? I mean, he's a foul-mouthed fisherman. Had a horrible... How many fish did he catch that day? We find from the text he didn't catch one fish. That's me. I'm a horrible fisher. There's not one fish in the ocean. I'm going to Nag said, I don't even try to fish because there's no fish in the ocean. I've never... I caught a stingray and a blowfish and a crab. That's all I've ever caught at Nag said. Okay, maybe I'll take Josh. Josh here, Josh Fisherman, I think. Maybe he can teach me something. But it's like, he, that was his living. And he's cleaning nets. Imagine what he's saying. Not one fish. <laughs> he's had a rough day. And Jesus shows up on the scene and gets in his boat and says, take me out. I want you to notice it was very inconvenient for Peter. It wasn't good timing for Peter. You've got to really look at the context of what's happening here. So he does these things. He's obedient, amazingly. Put out of the deep. And, see, and you, see, you see the humanity in chapter, in verse 5, it says, And Simon Peter, Master, you have worked, we have worked hard all night. Basically, he said, look, I'm a great fisher. I didn't catch one fish. Now you want me to do it? And it's not even the time of the day. And you want me to drop my nets in the deep? There's no way. But... Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When he had done this, done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled for the partner to the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That is a lot of money, by the way. That's a great day for fishing. When Simon Peter saw this, he said, Yeah, look at all the money. Is that what he said? No, look at his response. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he had all 
his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore and left everything and followed him. Before we dive into this portion of God's word, we must remember that these are not just stories to entertain our ears. They're life-changing word of God to transform our life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, that all scripture, including this, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And here's the reason. So that the servant, that's you and I, of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Peter was equipped in Acts chapter 4. His equipment and equipping him for it began in Luke chapter 5. That's what we'll see today. What was it that transformed Peter's life from everyday fisherman to this powerful, spirit-filled apostle for Christ that is the same thing available for us today? So the title of the message is simply this, obeying God in the small areas of life. As Christians, you know, we trust God for our salvation. If you ask any believer, you know, you're going to heaven? Yeah, how do you know? Because God saved me. Well, that's a pretty big step of faith to know that my eternal destiny rests on Christ. I have no problem trusting him with that, but here's where it becomes hard. Trusting him with your money, your time, your talent, your relationships, your service. This is where it gets hard. And this is what we learn is that it's the small things in life that are really the difficult things to master. We don't realize it, but the small things are the important things because it's out of the small that God builds the large. The whole planting and harvest, you reap what you sow, you put one kernel, you get a harvest of much more. So I want to share with you seven lessons that we learned from Peter's life as to the importance of obeying God in these areas of our life, the small areas, if you will. And I hate to use small because with God is no real small. It's all the same. We, we kind of you know, categorize, God doesn't do any of that. God looks at you and it's just your life. It's all equally important. What you do on Sunday is no more important than what you do on Monday. Or Saturday. It's all your life. And God wants it all. So the first thing is, when we are obedient in the small areas, we experience God's richest blessings. He got into one of the boats, the one belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out from the shore. It seems like a simple request, right? But as we said, the truth is, at Peter's moment, it was inconvenient. It was not a good time. He had just had a day where he didn't catch any fish. He was cleaning his nets. God always is giving us opportunities for him to use us and to work through us, but often we make up excuses and give reasons why we can't. I'm guilty of that. I'm busy. No, I don't feel like doing that. Well, someone else can handle that. Does that sound familiar? Am I the only one? Think about it. Peter could have given many reasons why he could not have taken Jesus out. He mentions that Peter's boat was not the only boat. Peter could have simply said, well, there's another boat. Take that one. I'm cleaning my nets. I've had a bad day. I'm tired. Giving reasons. Totally justifying, perhaps, why he couldn't have done it. What is God asking you to do where you are? Now with what you have, what he's already placed in your hands. Notice he didn't ask Peter to do something he could not do, but to be faithful for what God has already placed in his hand. 
That's important to understand that, that concept. You know, God's not calling you to go evangelize the world tomorrow, but he may be telling you to evangelize your family. He may have you in a job you hate in order to witness to someone who needs to know Christ where you're at. God isn't a God of convenience. He's a God of purpose. You know, yesterday, Pastor Nate called me. He wasn't feeling well. I think it was around noon. I had a house full of family, watching a football game. I'm cooking on the grill. I had all kinds of stuff going on. I've learned in my life, the text I sent him immediately was, no problem, I got, I'll come up with something. And I had no idea. Now I'm like worried, <laughs> you know. But see, I understand my calling. For whatever reason, God's called me to Oasis to support Pastor Nate. And I've had these conversations with him, and you know, I can share because he's not here. <laughs> but I was like, Pastor Nate, I said, you need someone that you can trust. I said, I don't care. I have no agenda here. If you need me to fix a toilet, I'll fix a toilet. If you need me to preach, I'll preach. They're all equal to me. And that's really how I feel. I'll do whatever he asks me to do. But it had been so easy for me to say, well, you know, Kyle hasn't preached in a while. <laughs> Slacking Kyle. Yeah. Josh, he did men's. He's a pretty good speaker. Why isn't Josh doing that? I'm a little busy, Nate. No. See, it's never convenient. If you want to serve God on a convenient timeline, you won't. And you'll miss it. I'd have missed this opportunity today. And the, the best thing about it, Todd was funny. My brother-in-law, who's a pastor, was at my house. And we, he, I told him, yeah, I got to preach it. We preach it. We pray about it. And he says, usually the best ones come when you don't prepare because you have less involved and God's more involved. Yes. And it's so true. Because it's not about any of us. So I get to do this. Remember the snapshot I talked about in Acts? This is how we got there. Peter would have, if he had said no, he would have missed out on the invitation to join in, listen, where God is already at work. God is always at work. He's just inviting you in where he's already working. And it doesn't have to be convenient, but you get to be part of that. So if Peter had said no, he'd have missed out on this invitation to join in where God was already at work. So secondly, when you obey God in the small things, it's always beneficial to listen others. It's not about you. He said yes to three simple requests. Take me out in your boat, drop your nets, and follow me. God is still in the business of blessing others through us if we let him. Because he said yes. Listen, Peter was blessed. Others got to hear the word. Others received more fish than two boats could hold. They were blessed financially. And see, when you're obedient to God in the small areas of life... It, it doesn't become about you getting credit. It becomes about God being, using you as a vessel and the blessing falls into those around you. It falls into your family. It falls into your community. It falls into your church. God desires to use you. Peter had a boat and nets and that is what he called him to use. And look what happened. So the question is, what do you have in your hands that God has provided you? Time, prayer, money, talents, testimony, ability to serve. Are you available? 
But here's where it gets hard, point three. Be obe- being obedient to God in the small areas of life may require you to listen to this, do what appears to be unreasonable to the world and even to you at the time. Man, I can't tell you how many times God has called me to do something that made no sense in my life. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. He must have thought to himself, Jesus might be an awesome teacher, but man, he's never fished. (laughs) But I guess I'll drop the nets because he said so. And we had finished speaking. He said to Simon, put down the nets. What? They caught so much. In my life, God has done the same thing. He's asked me to do something or called me to do something that is exactly opposite of what I wanted to do. And when I respond to it, I have no idea how he's going to do it, but because he said so, I'll do it. You know, I share with the serve team, you know, God called me out of the military to go to Bible college. And, you know, never would I have thought that would happen. And every ministry he's called me in and out of, it's always been that case. It makes no sense. And I remember, you know, I left the military to go to Bible college. I had to work a summer job at AP Hill. I got a civilian job for the summer before I started Bible college. And I was working in a sign shop waiting to go to Bible college. And, and everyone knew me on the boat base AP Hill because I was an MP there for three years. And I'm riding around with this older supervisor. He was a civilian. He couldn't hear very well. And he's like, so what are you doing? I said, I'm going to college. What are you going to school for? I said, I'm going to Bible college. He thought I said barber school. I don't know why. And so I had this whole conversation. He goes, well, how are you going to make any money cutting hair? I'm like, no, I'm going to Bible college to be a preacher. He says, why are you going to make any money doing that? I was like, you're right. But it made no sense to people. They're like, why are you leaving to go to Bible college? Why are you leaving the military? Cause, and, and it made no sense at the time. And then God called me to New Jersey. I mean, my brother-in-law gave me grief. And I, I put on all these applications to go to New Jersey. I was applying to be a youth pastor or a pastor. And I put like 40-some applications out. And I, said, and I remember mailing God, please don't send me to New Jersey. And I ended up going to New Jersey. And my brother-in-law, he's so funny, he goes, they don't even have souls up there. There's no one to save. And I was like, they give me a hard time, but it turned out to be one of the greatest ministries. As a youth pastor, it was tremendous. But it made no sense packing up my family and going to New Jersey. It was difficult. What I'm telling you is you have to trust God and step out in faith. He never disappoints you with it. Peter could have made great arguments to give reasons not to drop his nets, but he didn't. Noah was told to build a ship on dry land for a flood that would come when it never rained. Imagine the ridicule that they made fun of him for all those years building that ship. Maybe you're struggling with something. God wants you to go on a missions trip. He may want you to teach. He wants you to be a witness. He wants you to give. You want me to love my enemy? That makes no sense. When it's odd, it's always God. Obeying God in the small areas never proves to be a disappointment. That's point four. God always takes our obedience and turns it into something awesome. Jesus did not just walk up to Peter and say, you know, he's cleaning his nets. Peter, let's go. You're going to be an apostle. Come with me. Come on. Peter would be like, no. <laughs> what do you mean? How's that going to work? He'd have all these questions. If, if Jesus walked up to him and said, Peter, let's go. Put the nets down and come on. It's not how he did it, is it? He went and he sat in his boat and he made a request. 
He invited him in to join in in the work that he was already doing, where he was at, to use what he had. So that what? So that he could demonstrate his faithfulness in Peter's life to build up his faith and change him and transform him to be able to step out into what God was actually calling him to do. That's how he works in our lives. See, so often people want to start out at the top but never take the needed steps to get there. You know, I want a great marriage, but I'm not willing to do what it takes to have a great marriage. I want great relationships with my kids, but I'm not willing to sacrifice and to do or to admit that I'm wrong to my kids. I want to, you know, serve great in my church, but I want to do it on my terms and my way. And I'm telling you, man, you got to get to the point where it's not about you. Because that's where greatness begins. And Jesus demonstrated that. King of kings. It was not about him. It was about what the Father wanted him to do. And he did not want to do it in his flesh. Is there any way this cup can pass before me, God? But not my will, your will. I mean, he demonstrated this. The real question is, what are you holding on to so tightly or not willing to do? You know, often our lives are like the little kid who sticks their hand in a small cookie jar to grab a big cookie, and they get their hand in there, and you know, they want that cookie, but they can't get the hand out because now the fist is clenched and they're stuck. You know, but they want to go outside and play. They want to go do this, but they're just so unwilling to let go of the cookie. If they just drop the cookie, they can go do what they want. But we, that's us. We hold on to things. We don't want to let go. Desperately wanting to do things, but not willing to give up. The easiest and best way to serve God is to simply do what you know he has already asked you to do. Be faithful in the small things where you're at, and he will move you to greater things. Be a good father. Be a good wife. Be a respectful child. Spend time with God. Serve where you can. Say yes to God, even when it's inconvenient. But do it out of the gratitude, love, and appreciation for what he's done in your life, not out of obligation, duty, and guilt. What will happen? Obeying God in these small things, God will demonstrate his power in your life. And if Peter said no, he could have said, no thanks, take the other boat. Peter would have missed the opportunity for God to use him that day. A lot happened because he said yes to small requests. requests. The word of God went out for all to hear. People were blessed because he let him use the boat. More people heard God's word. Two boats loaded with fish almost sank the prosperity and the money that came to these people's lives, his personal realization of who he was and who Jesus was and who he was before him, and then ultimately his calling on his life was experienced. Let me ask you this. What are you missing out on? You may be thinking, I could never do anything great for God. You're right. You can't. God can do greatness through you, though. God is in the business of using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. We see the example in Peter's life of how God used these small acts of obedience to build faith in Peter's life. Jesus took uh, Peter from the banks of the shore that day to be the one of the 12 apostles uh, and to and th- th- place him in a place where he would st- one day step out of the boat, out of the storm, into the stormy water. You know, Peter gets, you know, a bad rap. Well, you know, he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. Man, would you even got out of the boat? I don't think I would have got out of the boat. Because I like my safety zone, my comfort zones. See, there's so much to learn in his life. Lack of faith. 
we demonstrate a lack of faith when we're unwilling to have our comfort, leave our comfort zones or our safe spaces and to step into the unknown. The faith Peter had to step out of the boat was developed by what took place before that moment. See, Peter knew that the God who controlled the fish controlled the storm. God uses small things in our life that we trust him with to build our faith in him so that we'll be able to, let, listen, step into greater things. Sixthly, obeying God in small things always results in better understanding of who God is and who you are. Peter saw himself for who he was. Notice what happened. He fell before him. Depart from me. I am sinful. Notice Jesus' response. It wasn't, You're, you sure are. He said, fear not, Peter. I got something great for you. Thank you for trusting me. You have no idea what's in store for you, Peter. But follow me. And he left it all. Seven, obeying God in the small areas, listen, will result in a dramatically changed life. This is what people need dramatically changed life. They're drowning in their hopelessness. Everyday mundane life. But see, your everyday mundane life is the very foundation in which God wants to step in and transform it all. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything. If Jesus would have just said to Peter, stop cleaning nets, follow me, he probably would have never left. But by obeying and seeing God move and, and demonstrate those things in his life, it moved him to make that huge step of faith to leave it all. It wouldn't have happened if he wouldn't have set out. It wouldn't have happened if he wouldn't drop the nets, even when it was inconvenient. What is it that God's asking of you? You know, so often in my life, God has called me out of something and into something. And many times it makes no sense. He called me to plant a church. Did that for 10 years. And then God closed that opportunity for me. It was hard. I don't understand. But the one thing that I do know, whether I understand or not, God is always faithful. Always. In spite of myself. Whether I'm faithful or not doesn't matter. God's always faithful. And he called me here. And here I am. <laughs> like me or not, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> God, you're still using me. It has nothing to do with me. But I'm willing. Do I get it right? No. I mess up every day in my life. Just ask my family. But I'm sure that Peter never thought that he would ever have been what God had made him to be. <laughs> If you were to ask him that day that Jesus showed up, what makes this happen? Remember Acts 4, they took notice that they spent time with Jesus. I encourage you today to spend time with Jesus. Make available all that you have for him. Trust him with all that you own. And when he asks for it, when it's inconvenient or not, just give it to him. Because it's not yours. 
I've tried to live my life that way the best I can. He's always blessed my life, not because I deserve it, but because he desires it. I don't believe in a prosperity gospel. You do this, you'll be rich, and you'll win the lottery. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that relationship with God will be real. And he may call you to do something even your family don't understand. But if you're spending time with Jesus and you know that's what he's called you to do, do it. You will not regret it. And their lives will be blessed because of it as well. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. We're about to have a a time of just worship. And Lord, I pray that there's decisions that need to be made that people will come up and they'll pray over it. Maybe you want to take communion today. We make that available for you on Sunday. And maybe you just want to just recommit those things and have that time. That's available too. I'll be down front as I step off the stage. If there's something you want me to pray with you about, I want to be available to do that as well. I'll turn my mic off so the world won't hear it. But God, I just pray right now that you would have your way as we devote our thoughts to the, the word that you've placed in our heart, whatever it may be. May we say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said amen, all right? Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.